Hello, you are listening to a podcast version of a recent message from Freedom Church's Sunday service. Freedom Church is a brand new church plant in Buckeye, Arizona. We meet weekly at Odyssey Preparatory Academy on Apache Road for services every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. If you're ever in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning. My name is Andrew Cabani, and I'm the lead pastor of Freedom Church, and I just wanted to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our podcasts. If you have a prayer request or want to make a decision for Christ after listening to our podcast, please, please, please contact us via the prayer request page on our website, freedomchurchaz.com. Enjoy, and God bless. All right. Good morning. Thank you, Noah. Um, whew. Finally made it. It's time to to worship God and dig into His Word. Thank you again for being here. Um, again, my name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor here at Freedom Church, and uh, I'm just happy to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. Um, who, what, when, where, why? These are the five W's, uh, is what they're commonly referred to, and is really the starting point. Uh, as far as like all information gathering that we do as a society. Uh, we use the five W's as far back as grade school. My teachers know what's up with the five W's. The who, what, when, where, and why. Doing some reading comprehension. If you want to know what you just read, those are the ones we use. We also throw how in there because we like to, we just put emphasis on the how. So we can say W there too. Um, but how's in there as well. But they're also the basis for, like, most uh, research that's completed um, in terms of, like, at a university. Who, what, when, where, and why. They're the questions you ask first. Uh, they're even the uh, basis for journalism schools. Uh, as you're going to after a story, you want to answer the who, what, when, where, and why. And even police investigation uses who, what, when, where, and why when they're trying to find out what has happened. It is, again, the basis in our society for information gathering. And whether you know it or not, it's so ingrained in us that as you walked into this building, you are who, what, when, where, and why in this situation. As you walk in here, it's brand new. You're who, what, who are these people? <laughs> what are they all about? Where do I have to go now? You've changed places. Okay, I'll find this new place. Um, I'll look for the blown over A signs that are all over Buckeye because of our storm yesterday, and I will find it. Uh, why do they look so funny? Why aren't there more people here? Why aren't, <laughs> why, 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 why? And when, when do we get started? Did you get started? And hopefully how can I be a part of it? That would hopefully be the, uh, the end result of it. But we're all who, what, when, where, and why. Um, as we launch services um, here, uh, we're going to try to answer all those questions about Freedom Church. And we will answer them real specifically, actually, here coming up in about a month or so. Um, we're going to do a series um, as we try to kind of gain a little bit of momentum. After that, we're going to do a series that we're going to talk about specifically what we are about, what our DNA about, what our five values are as a church. We are a growing church serving a growing community. And... Um, the specifics of what we are about are about those two things. So I'm going to give you a little preview for what that is, is service and community. We believe that we are here to serve the, the city of Buckeye. We believe that God has something incredible happening in the city of Buckeye. If you live in the city of Buckeye, you know that life has changed dramatically over the last, uh, I'll say 10 years, because that's when my wife and I got here. 
um, that the hustle and the bustle of Buckeye is something that I don't think anybody ever anticipated. And the growth projections that we have, you know, when you have places that can't even get an accurate count on our population because we are growing so fast, uh, there's something happening in Buckeye. The nation knows that something's happening in Buckeye, and we believe our sending church in Alabama believes, the North American Mission Board believes, their SEND network believes that God has a plan for Buckeye and that Freedom Church needs to be a part of it. And so we are very excited to just be a part of that, to serve this community and to build up this community in the ways that God would have us. And so that, those are the, the main, main things. Now, the other thing that I can say is, and will be a part of those values, is that I can, I can even make it a little more simple than that and just to say what we are about is Jesus. We're about Jesus and making him known to his people. And so as I say that, I feel like those of you who are watching for the first time or here for the first time and hearing us speak and asking the who, what, when, where, and why of Freedom Church, uh, when I say we're about Jesus, most of us can relax. We can say, okay, they're about Jesus. Check off. The, I know Jesus. We're, I'm cool with Jesus. Um, they're about Jesus. We, we have a shared understanding in that way. But what I can say is that Heidi and I have been doing ministry for 18 years in the West Valley and in Buckeye. And what I have come to realize over the last 18 years is that some people know what Jesus did. And that's really important. Matter of fact, that's all it takes to get to heaven is to know what Jesus did. To acknowledge that he died on a cross, that he was buried in a tomb, that he, was, uh, that he rose on the third day. To put your faith in that. If you know what Jesus did, um, that's enough to get to heaven. That's enough to secure your eternity. Um, everything is about the what. But the why why we do the things that we do is all about the who, who Jesus is. And many times, um, people who are followers of Jesus, who know the what, who have put their faith in the what, they still don't really know the who Jesus is. And so as we get started here, um, that's, that's what we're going to focus on. Now, as we get closer to Easter, we're basically on a 13-week trek to Easter. As we close to the Easter, we're really focusing on the what. The what is very important for us. It's very important for mankind, obviously. But the who is where we are going to start off with. Everything's about the what, but the why is all about who he is. Why he got off the throne in heaven and came down here to earth in human form. Why he endured a beating and humiliation and torture and the cross why we give our lives to him, why we walk with him daily, why we are trying to launch a church in the middle of a pandemic, to, in the middle of political and social and racial divides that are all plaguing our country right now, why we are doing all of that is all about who he is, he being Jesus. And so when we get to know who Jesus is on a personal level, the way we would a spouse or a friend, um, things start to happen in our own lives when we get to personally know who Jesus Christ is. It humbles us while also at the same time empowering us. It helps us to feel safe um, in who we are, but also careful for who we don't want to become. Um, it helps us to feel loved while also imploring us to love others. So as we start to focus on 
um, what, we're, what we're looking at here at Freedom Church. We are going to focus in on who he is. And we're going to be using the uh, Gospel of John to do so. Unlike the other Gospels, John uniquely gives us insight into the character of Jesus Christ, what he is all about. Um, Bible commentator David Guzik said of the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the three synoptic Gospels. The word synoptic means see together. And the first three Gospels present the life of Jesus in pretty much the same format. The first three Gospels focus in more on what Jesus taught and did. John focuses more on who Jesus is. And so we're going to use that as our text as we ask that very question, who he is. So today is part one of that, and I've titled part one today, The Byline, The Byline. What we are looking at today are some of the very foundational aspects of who Jesus Christ is. And a byline, traditionally, the, the traditional definition of a byline, is something that's used like in a newspaper article, something that you would have at the end of the article tell you who the author was, maybe give you some credentials about who that author was. Now we use our bylines on all of our social media profiles. And it's very fun. I spent some time using the Google machine on bylines and social media profiles. Sometimes <laughs> we use, people use it to tell people about their hobbies. They think it's very important when you go to their social media pro- uh, profile to know that they're butterfly enthusiasts or something to that effect, right? That, that they would like to people to know that right off the bat. Some people use it to make a couple of jokes. A couple that I found amusing using the old Google machine says, I'm not always sarcastic. Sometimes I'm sleeping. That's their, that's their byline when they get in there. Or life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. Kind of harsh, but not altogether wrong. Um, and life is short. Smile while you still have teeth. That, I, I appreciated that one. Um, I don't think my grandma would, but that's, that's another one. Most, though, use it as an opportunity to tell about who this person is. If you're going to come follow me on social media, this is what I am all about. Uh, Here, I'm going to put up on the screens here, my personal byline for my personal Instagram account. Please don't make fun of my meager followers on Instagram. But uh, my byline reads, Christ follower, husband, father, sons, D-backs, patriots, and Tom Brady fan. I hate that I had to separate those, but it is what it is. This is the world that we live in. And it's basically in that order. That's a descending order, Christ follower, husband, father, then a sports fan. Sons are always number one on that list. They always have been, even when they were horrible. I watched, you can ask my wife, I would sit like Chinese death torture and watch every single game when they won 19 games for like 10 straight seasons. Um, And I would always tell her the next year is going to be our year, and then it wasn't. So, um, but hey, we're the best team in the NBA right now. We're excited. Yeah, go Suns. Um, D-backs has been, you know, tough the last couple of years, and Obviously, the Patriots and Tom Brady fan, you guys are all rolling your eyes about that. So, um, feel free to follow me on Instagram if you'd like. That's the information. If you're looking for an account with a 10-year-old profile pic, um, my daughter is much older than she is in that profile pic uh, right now. Uh, She's turned 13. Makes me feel awful about myself. Um, And uh, if you're looking for a 10-year-old profile pic and somebody who posts about every three to five weeks, um, either pictures of their kids or unhinged sports takes, I'm your guy, so go find me on Instagram uh, if you like. If you'd like a better Instagram, follow uh, Freedom Church AZ. Uh, that's the way to go. Um, so as we get started here, uh, we're going to look in John chapter 1 at 
Jesus' essentially byline, the foundation of who Jesus is, what he would write in his social media profile, essentially. And so to do that, we're going to look at uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. If you would, as we read this morning, stand with me as uh, we read the Word of God. It'll be on the screens, but you can uh, uh, flip there if you'd like. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he beheld his and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth may the lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word you may be seated this morning we're going to look at here four different truths that are basically the byline of who jesus is in the coming weeks we will dig a little bit deeper into and basically see the manifestations of what we're going to talk about here. For example, you saw in my byline it said uh, that I am a father. And you can, you can know that about me. If you follow me on social media, you'll know um, that I'm a dad. You can see my daughter in my profile pic. But um, you really don't know what that means until you actually see me with my kids, until you see me playing with them, until you see me disciplining them, until you see me teaching them, until you see me scooping them up when they fall and helping to set them on a better way. Then you actually know that I'm a dad. You can see the manifestation of what sort of my byline says. And as we dig into the Gospel of John and why it's such a beautiful letter is that we see the manifestation as we read through the stories of Jesus' life. We really get to see him be all the things that we're going to talk about today. But today is really about getting the foundations of that, the basics of who Jesus is as described by John here. So number one, found in the first three verses, is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. A couple things to start here. Jesus, John refers to Jesus as the Word. Or in the Greek, it's the word logos. L-O-G-O-S, the word logos. Why does John use this? Why not say, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God? Instead, he uses the word. Instead, he uses logos. Well, the answer to that really falls into the the crowd that John was speaking to when he wrote this letter. He was speaking to a, a mixture of Jews and Greeks. And when you use the term logos to both a Jew at the time and a Greek at the time, it conjured up 
an, uh, something, an image of something very, very specific. It would have been the equivalent to local Arizonans if I were to say the word haboob. If I say the word haboob, local Arizonans know exactly what a haboob is. It conjures up an image of, it, of what it is. If you don't know what a haboob is, go ahead and Google it. Be very careful Googling haboob, but you can Google haboob and you will find out what that image looks like. But for most Arizonans, you know what that looks like. So again, when John says, when John says, <clears throat> you, the word, when he says logos, that conjured up an image for both the Jews and the Greeks. And it was a little bit different for both. Just real quick here. In Greek society, uh, well, you know, let me back up for a second. No, no, that's where I want to be. Sorry. First service. We'll get it. Um, for the, in Greek society, Logos was, quote, the power that puts sense into the world, making the world orderly instead of chaotic. The Logos was the power that set the world in perfect order and kept it going in perfect order. They saw the Logos as the ultimate reason that controlled all things. So if you grew up in Greek culture, you heard the word Logos, that's what you thought of. And if you grew up in a Jewish culture, Jewish rabbis of the time often used God, Jehovah God, in the same mindset of the word of God. You would hear them say the word of God, and that would be equivalent to logos, which would be equivalent to God, Jehovah. And so when speaking to these two specific people, they would speak and they would immediately know this person, Jesus, He's referring to this cosmic energy that we've all been thinking about in our lives, that we've all grown up hearing about. This is Jesus. It's not too dissimilar to how people believe in God in our society today. Many people have a shared understanding in our society today of who God is. When we say God, people don't think of, you know, I don't know, a a rock, like not necessarily a, a pole. They don't think of like that people understand what God is. Not all believe in God, and that's not really the point here. John is not trying to prove the existence of God. He's making the point that Jesus is God. It may shock some of you to find out that the Word of God, our Bibles, doesn't spend a whole lot of time trying to prove the existence of God. Romans chapter 1 tells us that his creation is a testimony of God, that when you look around the world, you can't help but yearn for its creator. Psalm chapter 19 states that the heavens declare the glory of God and there's no place on earth um, where his voice is not heard. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us that God has put eternity in the hearts of man. Um, so it tells us that we sort of yearn for God, but the Bible spends very little time trying to prove the existence of God because essentially it says that we all know deep down inside that we have a creator, that he made us specifically for a purpose and that he loves us, and, and we can feel that in our bones, essentially, in our DNA, so to speak. Side note, I've seen some things where people say something like that. People comes to a non-believer, says, I don't believe in God. And somebody says, well, let me tell you that God does exist. And they say, well, prove to me that God exists. And then they use scriptures like I just used. And then the person's like, well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, you're using scripture to tell you that God exists. It's kind of like a circular argument there. That doesn't make any sense. That's not fair. That's like asking you who's the best, and you say, I'm the best. We'll prove it. Well, my mom says that I'm the best. Well, of course your mom's going to say that you're the best. That's a circular argument. But, but the problem with that, the problem with that idea is it sort of takes the idea that Scripture, it totally forgets the idea that Scripture was written by many different authors over thousands of years 
be one thing if it was very one specific person that wrote the entire Bible that said, this is who God is. But there were many different authors over thousands of years, and it all sequentially lines up to show us who God is. And so that's just a little Bible nerd uh, soapbox thing there. So anyways, um, so when John says logos, the word, and makes that person the man Jesus, they understand that he is equating this person to God in every sense of the word. The theologian, um, well, let me say, and Jesus was 100% God, equal in every way. Theologian James Boyce put it this way, everything that can be said about God the Father can be said about God the Son. In Jesus dwells all the wisdom, glory, power, love, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth of the Father. In him, God the Father is known. There are certain um, religions, um, sects of religions, that try to use this scripture, and they say that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, and then they just throw in just this little tail, and they say, a God, instead of God. And the idea of throwing in that a God is to try to minimize who Jesus is, and John is doing his very best. That's a, that's a horrible translation. Any Greek scholar will tell you that is a horrible translation of what the scripture says. Our original scripture says that Jesus was God. He was 100% God. And so that's, that's number one on his byline. Who's Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is God, the manifestation of God who got off his throne in heaven and came down to this earth. Number two, Jesus is the light of men. It says in verse four, in him was life and life was the light of men and light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This name, this man came as a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light. He was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. In the Greek, there are two different versions of the word life. When it says, in him was life, there are two different versions of the word life if we look at ancient Greek um, text. The first one is the one that we're most comfortable with. It's the word bios, which is like biological life. You know, synapses going off, beating heart, lungs, breathing, bios. That's the word life. It means to actually be alive. But the word here in this scripture is not the word bios. When it says, in him was life, and that life was the light of man. The word light there, excuse me, life there is the word zoe. And the word zoe is, uh, speaks to the life principle, the fullness of life. Not just living, but enjoying all that it means to be alive. That is who Jesus is. He is the light of mankind. He is the light of that we can look to in a dark world, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Um, I'll use an example that I've used in youth ministry for years and years and years, which is to this. If we, um, my wife's little sister, my little sister Trudy's in the back there. She's been in my youth group since she was like as long as she, she can. She's heard this example a million times. She just smiled at me, so I'm going to call her out in front of everybody. That's what's going to happen. Um, but uh, the light, the darkness cannot comprehend it. I think if we think about that in terms of if I were to go and shut the doors and I were to shut off all of the lights that were in here and it would be completely dark. Now it's daytime, so we probably would have a hard time getting complete darkness. But 
say it was. Say it was completely dark in here. And then somebody flipped on a light switch. What would happen? The light would turn on. There wouldn't be this quarrel. There wouldn't be this epic battle between light and darkness where the light had to overcome the darkness. That wouldn't happen. The light would, switch would go on. I don't understand the whole light switch thing, but the light switch would go on, and the light would be immediately. So is God's battle with darkness in this world. So is Jesus' battle with darkness in this world. Darkness cannot comprehend Jesus. There is no tangle. There's no yin and yang. There's no equal footing here. It's all Jesus, and darkness cannot comprehend him. That is the light that is Jesus Christ. So, you might be here this morning feeling some darkness this morning. The answer is Jesus. We try to find solutions in so many different ways for what is that darkness that we often feel in our lives. And all of those, some of them may work, but all of them are temporary. Jesus is that eternal light. The thing that's been proven to work that has no quarrel at all is Jesus. Try Jesus. All right, number three. Jesus is our bridge to God. Verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, excuse me, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It says that, he was made, the, the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Uh, there is nothing colder, like just straight that's cold, uh, that a toddler can do to you than when dad shaves his beard. That look that the toddler gives to you when dad shaves off his beard, this look of where it goes from, that's my dad, I'll fall asleep on his chest, we play, I'll run to him when I get to see it. Sometimes I'll even run past mom to get to dad. Those are the, the funnest things ever as a dad. But anyways, we'll run to you, I love you, you're my playmate, to who is this stranger in my house who let them in the door, I don't like this, who is this person? There's nothing colder than that look that a toddler gives bearded dad when he decides to shave. You notice that I've, I've been rocking the beard for a very long time. I, my kids, um, I, I can't even do it. It hurts my soul. So too is kind of what John is talking about here with Jesus. He came to this world, but the world did not know him. They did not recognize him. He didn't look the way that they expected Jesus to look, so they did not receive him at all. They said, who is this guy? They were looking for somebody to come with military power to take care of all of their problems and all of the, the difficulties that they may be having. And um, Jesus said, I'm coming to conquer hearts. I'm not coming to conquer people. I'm coming to, to, to meet you and to see you and to try to, to, try to, to, try to have your heart changed by an inward process. Charles Spurgeon said of that inward process that Jesus was looking for, he said, the man is like a watch who, which has a new main spring, not a mere face and hands repaired, but a new inward machinery with freshly adjusted works, which act, act to a different time and tune. And whereas he went before wrong, now he goes right because he is right within. 
he is right within. Jesus came, they didn't recognize him, but it's because Jesus came to share hearts. And it says that, it goes on to say that those who did recognize him, those that did put his faith, their faith in him, he gave the right to become children of God. And hallelujah for that, right? Hallelujah that we have the opportunity to come to know Jesus in a personal way. And that those of us who do get a chance to recognize him, those of us who can see through the shaved beard, who the light just allows us to see Jesus for who he is, not what he looks like, or not what expectations we put on him, but understand that he is here to save us for eternity. He gave us the right to be known as children of God. Last one. Jesus is also man. Verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John is making all of these statements about who Jesus is. You know, he's God. He's the light of the world. He's our bridge to heaven, our bridge to God. But he leaves kind of the most important one to the very end. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was 100% God, as I mentioned earlier, but he was also 100% man. And I say that, and I slow down to say it, and I want that to be an important thing, and I say that it's the most important thing. And you may think, why? Why is that important to know that Jesus was not just God, but he was also man? Well, there's two things. And as we start to close up here, two things that that is important for you to know that why Jesus was also man. And, and it's, it's, it's why that's important to know, and it's also why specifically it's important for you to know that. First, why it's important that by being the only figure in the history of mankind to be both 100% God and 100% man, that makes him uniquely qualified to be the living sacrifice that is needed to pull us from death into life. He is uniquely qualified for this job that is all important in our world, makes Jesus that only person that only thing that is possible of being able to be the way for us to get from death into life. Every other religion that has a figurehead in it is either God or man. Jesus is both. From a philosophical standpoint, Jesus being man means that you have to have an actual relationship with him. He's not just pie in the sky, the old man upstairs. He, he is a guy. He lived, he sweated, he worked, he got sad. That is someone that you have an actual relationship with rather than you're just saying, yeah, sure, I believe in, you know, the man upstairs type of stuff. And Noah, you can make your way back up here as we start to close this down. And as we close this down, I'll just talk about what, what does it mean for you to know that Jesus is not only 100% God, but 100% man. It means that God himself got off his throne in heaven and came down on a rescue mission to earth to save you. That means that God came to you. You don't have to seek out God. The fact that Jesus came in the form of a man means that He's here for you. The Bible says that he stands on the, the doorway of your heart and he knocks. You don't have to go out finding him. Like I mentioned earlier, 
we are endowed by our creator specifically with this desire to know him, to see him, to find him, that there's this God has placed eternity in our hearts means that we're looking to see where we go next. What is that next thing for us after this life? We're all sort of programmed with that. And instead of us having to go aimlessly find it, instead of us having to, you know, become Tesla or Bezos and run out into space to try to find that. Instead, God got off his throne and he came down to us so that he could meet us and so that we could put our faith in him. And again, as the only figure in the history of the world to sort of have one foot on the dock of, of death, which is life here on earth, and the other foot in heaven, he is sort of uniquely qualified to be able to pull us from one side on to the other. We don't have to go find that. He is there for us because he came down. He is 100% God and 100% man. We pray with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are all of these things. Father, that the why that we worship you, Lord, is based off of who comfortable, beautiful seat in heaven as just a creator. And you came down and you endured this world, not just the cross, not just the physical beating, but all of us, as we get to know you through your scriptures, fathers, can relate to the hurt, the heartbreak of a friend dying, the heartbreak of somebody getting sick in your life, the heartbreak of people not meeting your expectations for betraying you. You endured all of that. You got off of the throne which was perfect. And you said, I'm going to come down here and I'm going to endure everything that my creation has to endure so that they don't have to go out finding me. They can look here and I stand at the door and I knock and you can put your faith in me and I will be the light of your world. I will drown out the darkness as we run through this life and things Things are frustrating and things come at us and they hit us from every angle and we don't meet the expectations. You said, God, I'll come down off this throne and I will be your light. You grab onto me and no darkness will come upon you. And we thank you for that, God. And Lord, if there's anybody in this room, Father, who is struggling, who feels that burden, Father, right now, right now, remind them Father, we thank you. We praise you. As we sing this next song, Father, I just ask that for everyone in this room, however they wanted to pray the version of what I just prayed, Father, we allow us, Noah leads us in a chorus to make that real with you.